Welcome to episode 185 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, within 24 hours, we hiked a cumulative 25 miles ate 15 pounds of food, built three teepees, and breathed in more campfire smoke than the Surgeon General would recommend. Today, you'll hear a trip report from our adventure with our friends who've never been backpacking before. And for today's gear review, we'll share a game that we played in camp. Then learn how to make a simple item to put in your 10 essentials. All this, and that's about it. Today, on the first 40 miles. In last week's episode, we talked about a trip that we were about to take with our friends who had never been backpacking before, and we're back. We made it. Everyone survived. We didn't even have to get out our first aid kit. No. It's a pretty successful trip. It was a pretty short trip, but uh, yeah, I would call that trip a success. Everyone left smiling. Yeah, me too. If you follow us on Facebook or Twitter, then you've already seen the spoilers. But uh, we had a great trip with our friends who had never been backpacking before. And we picked a trip that was going to be close to home, just a half hour away. Uh, A short hike, just a little over a mile each way into our family backpacking spot, which is just a remote place where you go out there and you don't see another soul the entire time you're out other than whoever you brought with you. And in today's top five list, we'll be sharing the things that they discovered on their first backpacking trip. But I thought right now would be a good time for you and I to kind of, I guess, replay the trip in our minds and maybe talk about highlights or things that we wish we could do over or, you know, just kind of, uh, what do they call that after a football game when they do that whole thing? The, you know what I'm talking about, where they all get together and talk about. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to football. But with backpacking, let's replay the the event. The the post-trip analysis or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it started off with a bit of a hitch. The wife and the other family came down with a migraine just before leaving on the trip. And uh, so it was really kind of down to the wire for her as to whether she was going or not. And she decided to go. And I know, Heather, you were worried right off the bat. Oh, wow. I mean, is this going to be just a horrible experience for her if she's got a migraine the whole time? Right. Well, I was worried for two reasons. I thought, first of all, that she would be in a lot of pain. She was actually able to take some medication that helped with subduing the migraine. But I thought even worse than being in pain and, you know, suffering the whole time is like, what if she pretends to be having fun and like, oh, this is so great. But in the back of her mind, she's like, I want to die. I want to go home. I don't want to be here. So I really, I really just wanted everything to be okay. And even the drive out there, (laughs) there's pits all over the roads. I just thought, oh, this cannot be good. And by the time we get there, the whole family is going to have to turn around and go back home. I kept looking in the rear view mirror and Mm -hmm. and wondering how they were doing on the last 10 minutes of that drive where we're yeah. you know, running through those those big potholes and mud puddles. Um, but we got to the trailhead and we put on our packs and headed up the trail. 
I was amazed at how well their youngest did. He's only seven? Seven, yeah. And had a, a pack that his mom had bought a long time ago, just a day pack that he was wearing as his pack. And uh, I think it had his sleeping bag in it. So on his back, that thing looked huge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was really that heavy, but it just looked huge on his back. And he was amazing. I mean, he just blitzed up the trail like he had no pack on at all. Right. He looked like a blue turtle, except he was so fast. <laughs> we couldn't call him the blue it. turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny, the next day, uh, he put his pack on before we headed back down and uh, was playing around with how, quote unquote, heavy his pack was. So he'd put it on and then roll onto his back with the pack on. Basically, yeah, like an upside down turtle <laughs> at that point, kind of waving his arms and legs. Ah, I'm stuck. And, you know, and it just he was having all kinds of fun toppling himself with this pack on, <laughs> even to the point that uh, when he came over close to the fire, we kind of had to push him back <laughs> away to another part of camp. And one of the things that we talked about was making sure everyone had something to do, something that sparked their interest. And the next day of the hike, after everyone woke up, the boys took off on a uh, an adventure. I don't know where you guys were going, but you took off looking for fun. <laughs> and um, so the girls were left in camp. And their daughter loves art. She's a really wonderful artist. She's a very creative girl. She loves writing and drawing and painting. So she took some time to go set up a little spot on a log with a blanket and some watercolors. And she just painted. And it was just so serene in camp. While she was painting, her mom was resting. I was sitting by the fire. I don't know what I was doing. I was watching, watching over camp, <laughs> but it was just so quiet and so peaceful. And that was one of my favorite moments was just the peace that was in camp after the boys had left. After the boys left. <laughs> Our two oldest boys were still in camp. I, well, did they go somewhere? They didn't go with me and the other dad and the two young boys. I think they actually walked off a little ways and started building a little uh, shelter. Oh, right. They were working on that uh, wood lean-to thing. Right. Well, before the trip, you had asked the family, what are your kids into? And you found out that their daughter loved art. So you put together a little ultralight watercolor kit for her using those peerless watercolors that we reviewed in episode 108, our art episode, along with uh, one of those self-watering paintbrushes. Is that what you call them? I it's guess. called an aqua brush. Yeah. Okay. So the handle of the brush is hollow and you fill it with water and, and the water comes out through the bristles of the brush. Yeah. Really cool setup. And so because you had asked up front, you had some way of responding to her interest and setting things up so that she could do that while she was in camp. And what the other dad and the three young boys did with me uh, out on our hike, well, that'll be part of our top five list. Another thing we focused on was to make sure that they all had gear. They had some gear, and then we filled in the gaps with stuff from our backpacking room. And we wanted to make sure they were well enough outfitted to be comfortable with whatever they needed. I think they had a lot of fun with the uh, MSR trail shot water filter that they borrowed. And the mom and dad and the boys slept in a tent, and their daughter slept in a hammock. Oh, can I jump in and say something about that really quick? I'm still developing my tarp pitching skills and my rope skills and stuff. So when it came time to help her put the tarp over her hammock, just in case it rained, 
I was kind of like, ah, I'm not the right person for the job. Josh, come over here and help. So Josh came over and we figured out that we actually didn't have enough rope to stake out the tarp and make it really taut over the hammock. Yeah, it was my fault that I didn't pack enough line to uh, stretch out the tarp. I figured there'd be some branches nearby. So I packed maybe about four feet of line for each of the four corners, plus the center line. Well, we were able to get the center line up around trees. It was close enough, but the four feet of line from each corner, not nearly long enough to reach any branches that were nearby, and not long enough to bring it all the way down to the ground and stake it out. So my fault, (laughs) and we were pretty sure it wasn't going to rain that night, but I still wanted to have some kind of shelter over her hammock. So I took two sticks, and I placed one stick at each end of the tarp into the grommets in the corner. So it made an A-frame tent style shape out of the tarp by having the sticks that essentially spread the tarp out. It worked. It stayed up all night. It was this little triangular shelter just kind of floating (laughs) on its uh, ridgeline up there. It was just so clever. I loved it. About five o'clock in the morning, I heard raindrops falling (laughs) on our tarp. We were staying in a tarp shelter ourselves on the ground. That woke me up, and I was really grateful that she had a tarp over her hammock. However, I remembered that our two older boys, who were also sleeping in hammocks, had not put up the tarp that they brought. They just hung their hammocks and jumped in and went to bed. So here I am at 5 o'clock in the morning, listening to the rain pitter-pattering on our tarp, and wondering how wet our boys are getting in their hammocks. Well, the rain stopped after about five minutes. And then a few minutes later, another little bit of rain came through, again, just for a few minutes, and then it stopped, and I fell back asleep. But I woke up in the morning wondering, okay, guys, how wet did you get? And it was amazing. They said, what? It rained last night? (laughs) It was such a light rain. They had never even noticed. So I'm really grateful I did not get up at five o'clock in the morning and spread their tarp over them to protect them from the consequences of their choice that evening to not put up their rain fly. Because it turns out there were no negative consequences. (laughs) They were fine. (laughs) Well, is there anything on this trip that you wish that you could do over? I have a big one in my mind. Like if I had thought like a kid, I would have been more sensitive to this. Oh, what's that? Well, we left around dinner time. We all took off around 5.30, and I was so anxious to get camp set up before it got dark that that's what I was focused on. I said, okay, let's get everything set up. And I didn't even think, oh, everyone's probably hungry, especially the kids. And so it took about an hour to get everything set up. And by the time everything got set up, I think the kids were probably overly hungry. Hmm. And that would be fine if it were just our kids. We would say, okay, let's get this done. But this was supposed to be like a fun trip and not like a survival trip. And so I really wish that I would have just been a little bit more sensitive to that and at least put out some snacks and said, hey, if anyone's hungry, grab a granola bar or here's some tangerines. But instead we ate when we were done setting up the camp. And I just felt a little bit bad for that. It's okay because I thought of that. Ah. <laughs> I thought ahead and said, okay, we're going to get to the trailhead at 6. We're going to get to camp at about 6.30 to 7. And that's going to be, I mean, they're going to really be ready for dinner. So the very first thing that I did when I dropped my pack was to pull out the stoves and start boiling the water. 
while you guys were setting up tents and hammocks, the water was boiling and the potatoes were rehydrating. I got out the little smokies. Um, I had our son Isaac whittle sticks to put them on to roast over the fire. And our two oldest sons were starting the fire so that there'd be some heat to cook them over. So it's okay. We were all spread out doing different things. And there were those of us focused on dinner immediately upon arrival at camp. So it's okay. So I'm really glad that you started dinner. That made it so that when we were done setting up camp, there was instant food. And we ended up not doing the chili and corn chips. I think we talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, we did like little smokies and... Idaho and mashed potatoes. And mashed potatoes. Oh, <laughs> it was easy. an overnighter. So we brought broccoli. Tangerines. Uh, yeah, yeah, all kinds of heavy stuff. In fact... <laughs> My pack was 35 pounds, and I'm pretty sure that it was almost all food and water. Yeah, it's funny. For those short little trips, our packs end up being heavier because we're like, ah, let's just throw it in. Well, especially when we're going with a lot of people. If it's just two of us, our packs are really light for an overnighter. But when there's 10 of us, yeah, there was a lot of food in my pack. But the next day when we hiked back down, my pack <laughs> was probably <laughs> half of its original weight. Well, while we were out, we recorded our friends sharing what they learned on their first backpacking trip. We got the mom, the dad, and the middle child. And then the oldest and the youngest didn't really want to be recorded. So we'll share what they learned on their first backpacking trip after we hear from the first three. So something that I realized after doing this is that it's easier to go backpacking than I thought it was going to be. There aren't rules about backpacking. There's recommendations and having listened to the podcast like I kind of in my head made all these rules for myself and after taking the kids out for the first time and and us out you don't have to follow those rules it's okay if you've got a massive air mattress it's okay if you bring a lot of food backpacking is just about being out and enjoying the quiet I didn't know that it was gonna be I didn't know that like there would be very many easy things to do like I thought a lot of things would be a lot harder like a ton harder and I just just played along with it I thought the idea of the hammocks was brilliant and I think that's something we're definitely gonna try again and have more fun with and I thought it was easier taking kids backpacking than actually all of our camping gear compared to other camping trips we did like it was a little bit simpler and it was fun to hike it in. So I thought it was great. And when we talked to the daughter and just kind of asked her what she enjoyed about the trip, she mentioned the hammock. She really enjoyed playing games, which that was one of my favorite things too. And uh, it was just fun to see her do art and be creative also. So she enjoyed watercoloring on the trail. And the youngest son loved hiking. I think he called these explorers. Can we go on another explore? It was really cute. So I know one of the explorers that he did with his dad was to go down to the creek about a quarter mile back down the trail from our campsite, and they pumped some water. Saturday morning, their two youngest plus our youngest went with us two dads just up the hillside above camp. We just scrambled up the mountainside, basically, through the trees, places where you can kind of imagine that people haven't been for a long, long time. And that's where one of the highlights of the trip happened for all three of those young boys. We got to a spot where we just relaxed for a little bit, and then they started collecting 
wooden sticks and poles, limbs, branches that had fallen down on the ground, stuff about 10 feet long and maybe an inch or two in diameter, and they started making a teepee out of these sticks. Their teepee ended up probably about 3 feet in diameter at the bottom and about 10 feet tall, just kept adding sticks to it. And then they decided to make a model version of their teepee. So they got small sticks about a foot long and made a little teepee about three inches in diameter and about 10 inches tall. And they planted, quote unquote, trees around their small teepee. (laughs) So put sticks in the ground and put globs of moss on these sticks. So they had these trees that were like kind of Dr. Seussy looking trees. And they thought, oh, that's really cool. We should make a model of that. (laughs) So they got some tiny, tiny sticks and they made a model that was about an inch in diameter and about two inches tall. This tiny, tiny teepee with some tiny, tiny trees around it. It's stuff like that. Kids just getting out in the woods in a totally unstructured environment. Nobody took them up there and said, this is what we're going to do today. It just spontaneously happened. And they spent the morning up there building these teepees. Right. And can you imagine what would happen if it were a structured activity? It would be like, okay, children, today we're going to build a teepee. And then we're going to build a smaller teepee. <laughs> and then we're going to build a smaller teepee. And it will be fun, I promise. And the kids would walk away. And, yeah, like, I want to find something else to do. This is weird, Dad. But they came up with it on their own. And it's great. I hope that's one of our show images in an upcoming episode, the picture of the teepee. <laughs> or maybe for this episode, because it was so cute. So that's the top five list. But uh, let's add six and seven. What would you throw in as... Uh, I think the thing that I discovered or loved is that no matter how short the trip, no matter how simple it is, I can still learn things by getting outside. The trail is an incredible teacher, and I'm always learning outside. And on this trip, I learned a lot about our friends. I loved the time that we had Friday evening to just sit around the campfire and talk. Learned how they met, um, experiences that they've had with school and career and uh, with raising kids, and just sharing with each other our backgrounds. That's just a wonderful thing to do. And a backpacking trip provides the perfect environment for that because we're all away from all those distractions that we get at home. We just get to sit around the fire and kind of focus on each other. So it sounds like the kids are already planning our next trip. We want to get out again with this family because they're fun. We have a lot of similar interests. So hopefully we'll be able to get out with them again soon, either to our backpacking spot It's not too far from home or to another magical yet to be determined location. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing a game that we played while we were out on our most recent backpacking trip. This game is called Pairs, P-A-I-R-S, from Hip Pocket Games. Lots of people bring a deck of cards on a backpacking trip because there are lots of different games that you can play. This is a little bit of a twist on a traditional deck of cards. This is a pyramid deck, which means it has one one, two twos, three threes, four fours, etc., all the way up to ten. So there are ten tens in this deck. It's a 55 card deck, and the main game that you play with this deck is so much fun and so simple, which makes it the perfect game to bring on backpacking trips. So if you're looking for a new game to play, it might be time to switch out your standard 52 card deck and get a pairs deck. 
Another one of the cool things about a pairs deck is that you can download a game book that has like 30 other games that you can play with this special deck. And we'll have the link for that in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 185. So to play pairs, just the classic game pairs, you take a pairs deck and you deal one card to each player. And you can play this game with two to eight players. So ready, Josh? Okay. I'm going to deal you a card and I will deal me a card. So I got an eight. Josh got a five. And these cards are dealt face up. So we both know what each other has or what everyone has if there's more players. So the reason this game is called pairs is because pairs are bad. Pairs give you points and points are bad. So on each turn, you're trying to decide if you want to get one more card and risk getting a pair, or if you want to fold and end that round, so then you would be hit with some penalty points, which just end up being the lowest card value on the table. So you dealt yourself an eight and you dealt me a five. I have the lowest number on the table, so I'm the one that goes first this round. And I can decide to fold or to say hit me and take another card. And I'm hoping I don't get another five. I know that there's four more fives in that deck. I'm going to say hit me. Okay, here we go. And I got a 10. So I'm good. You're I don't safe. I don't have two fives, but I do have a 10, which is kind of risky for my next turn. And all the cards that I deal out to people, they just stay face up in front of the person. But if I ever deal a card that is a pair to any of the cards that they have on the table, it means they get stuck with that point value. So like say they got a pair of 10s, then 10 the, points. their score would be 10 points for that round. Okay, so I have an eight. I'm going to say hit me. I'm going to hit myself, I guess. I got a seven, so I'm safe. Josh, you have a five and a 10. I have a five and a 10. If I fold, I'm going to take five points because five is the lowest card on the whole table. If I say hit me, I'm either going to come out okay or I'm going to get a five or a 10, but I'm going to say hit me and see what I get. I got an eight, so I'm good. So he has a five, 10, and an eight. I have a seven and an eight. It's kind of risky, but I'm going to say hit me. I'm going to hit myself here. Ooh, and I got a 10. Now there are, what, eight more 10s in the deck, so it's still pretty risky. Yeah, I'm going to risk it one more time. I've got a five, an eight, and a 10. Hit me. A Ooh, six. A six. Okay, I'm going to say hit me, even though I have really high cards. Oh, so I got an eight. So I have a pair of eights here. I'm just going to hold this one eight off to the side kind of to score how many points I have. Everything else goes right into the middle pile in the center, just kind of like as a big discard pile. So if you had folded, you would have gotten five points because five was the lowest card on the table. It was one of the cards that I had. But since you didn't fold and you took the hit and you got a second eight, you got eight points. Right. So I probably should have folded because I had some really high cards. So let's play one more quick round because this game is so simple, <laughs> so fun, and it gets kind of out of control really quickly. So I'm going to deal you a two <laughs> and I'm going to deal me, oh, an eight. All right, Josh. Okay. So I go first because I have the lowest card. It's a two. I know that there's only one other two in the deck. So I'm really confident to say hit me. You got a 10. And I got a 10. Okay. I have an eight. I'm going to risk it for the biscuit. Here we go. Oh, I got a four. Okay. Hit me again. Oh, a second 10 right away. Ooh. Ouch. So if I folded, I would have taken two, but 
but instead I get 10 points and that round is over. And depending on the number of people you play with, you play up to a certain number of points. The first person to get that many points is the loser. And this game is kind of unique because instead of there being one winner, there's actually one loser. And so if you wanted to, you could even use this game to your benefit in camp and maybe get some extra camp chores out of the loser. Yeah. <laughs> that person has to go collect water or that person has to wash out all the dishes oh. or they have to take down tents in the morning. <laughs> Just think of some camp chore that you're not in the mood to do and make sure that someone else loses the game. This game is going to weigh about as much as a traditional deck of cards. It's 3.1 ounces or 88 grams. And like we said, there's that book that has 30 other games that you can play with this same deck. Some of them are really similar to pairs. They're kind of derivatives. And others are completely unique games. Some of them involve some betting. So I would recommend bringing jelly beans on the trip. And some have a certain number of players that you have to play with. So they're all, they're all different. And you can download it onto your phone and have it ready to go. And for maintenance, just remember that these cards are not waterproof. So for a backpacking trip, put them in a Ziploc baggie, keep them dry. For investment, this game is $10 and you can find it on Amazon. And for trial, what I love about the game Pairs, we're not even talking about the other 30 games, but Pairs, it's simple to learn. It's really quick to play, which is sometimes all you need on the trail. Just something really fast, just to get your mind off of... Whatever, you just need something quick. You don't need something 45 minutes or like, you know, a game of risk. It's also really easy to teach to other people. After watching one round, people can usually pick up on it really quickly. There's not a lot of rules and it's light and fun. And something really unique about the pairs game is that there are 21 different pairs decks. They all play exactly the same, but the art on the cards ranges from, you know, images of vintage fruit to fantasy art to cartoon space monsters. But all the decks are built the same. They're all that pyramid style, one, one, two, twos, three, threes. But they all have different art. So I think that's pretty cool. So we'll have the link to Hip Pocket Games and the Pairs game in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 185, along with a link to the companion book download that contains 30 more games that you can play with this deck. For today's backpack hack of the week, DIY soap sheets. Maybe you've seen little soap sheets in the travel section of stores. They're these little, maybe two inch by two inch sheets of paper that have been embedded with soap. And the benefit of soap sheets is that you have a single serving of soap. Yum, yum. <laughs> that you can wash your hands with. And then you don't have a wet bar of soap to put back in your pack, or you don't have to take liquid soap with you. So it's just kind of a fun, unique way to keep things clean. You can use it to wash your hands. You can use it to wash dishes. You could even use it to wash your face or your hair. You could throw it in to wash your socks. These are very versatile. So to make your own soap sheets, you're going to need a few things. You'll need a cooling rack, or if you have like a outdoor laundry line, you can also do that. You just need something to dry the soap sheets on. You'll also need either parchment paper or waxed paper, not regular paper, because if you use regular paper, then the paper will dissolve all over your hands and be a mess. You'll also need unscented biodegradable liquid soap something like 7th Generation or Dr. Bronner's, and then you'll need scissors or a paper cutter. 
So to get started, you'll need to take a 12 by 12 inch piece of wax paper or parchment paper and pour a squiggly swirl of unscented liquid soap or unscented dish soap on the paper. And using your fingers, just coat both sides of the paper with this soap until everything is covered. Then set the paper on the cooling rack and let it dry completely. And if you want it to dry faster, you could even stick it in your car, you know, with the sun kind of baking it. I tried putting it in the microwave and I ended up with a lot of burnt soap sheets. <laughs> so if you're patient, you could probably dry it in the microwave. I was a little too impatient and I ended up burning it. So um, after it's completely dry, you'll want to take your soap sheets and cut them into little two inch by two inch squares and staple them together. I went a step further and I cut out a piece of cardstock to go over the soap sheets and made like a little matchbook and stapled it at the bottom. So now it looks like a little book of matches, but it's a book of soap sheets. So now you have an instant biodegradable single use set of soap sheets that can be used for washing anything. And it ends up weighing about three to five grams, which is lighter than liquid soap lighter than a bar of soap, and you have exactly the amount of soap that you need for your trip. Now, after you're done washing your hands or your dishes or your laundry, you will have a little piece of paper left. So that can either be put in a cat hole, just like toilet paper, or it can be burned or you can pack it out. Oh, and one more thing. After you're done drying the paper on the cooling rack, make sure you wash the soap off the cooling rack because soap is invisible. And if you put a hot, fresh batch of cookies on top of that cooling rack, <laughs> your cookies will taste like soap. So that's a little bonus hack for today. <laughs> Be warned. <laughs> and we'll leave you today with some trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Robert Brown, who wrote The Appalachian Trail, History, Humanity, and Ecology in 1980. He said, The sole criteria is to walk with the senses, with hands that feel, ears that hear, and eyes that see. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. You can order our most recent children's book, Backpacker ABCs, on Amazon or iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. call a fast turtle i don't know i don't know <laughs> sound of me shuffling every day i'm shuffling <laughs> just kidding i'm not i don't shuffle